fresh out the oven, it's Beyonce Appreciation Hour. I'm Wade. And I'm Emmett. Cinema Bums is a podcast where we watch through every single movie and popular film franchises, one each week to try and track how the storytelling changes over time. Today we are concluding our miniseries, Can You Feel the Bums Tonight?, covering all of the films in the Lion King series. We will fully spoil today's film, but we will not spoil any future entries in the series because there currently are none. Emmett, how are you doing? I'm doing just wonderfully this evening. How are you? I'm good. Excited to finally be paying tribute to our queen. Yes, it's an honor indeed. Not Florence Pugh to our our lord and savior Beyonce tonight. I'm doing especially well because today we're honored to have a special guest. The last time we saw him, we were seeing Double talking about Jordan Peele's Us. Today we're just seeing hearts for our queen Beyonce. And our guest, Corey Simmons. (laughs) Okay, what's good? Oh my god, I'm really excited for this. I'm a... (laughs) I don't know, I struggle with saying that I'm a part of the beehive because Mm. the beehive can be really, really crazy. Mm -hmm. But I do know the name of her security guard, which I don't know. It doesn't seem like... To me, that seems like common knowledge. Like, his name is Jules. Or no, Julius. Julius. Who's, who's Jules? Is that her, her nephew? I can't remember. But yeah, Julius. I'm a big fan, admirer, admirer of Beyonce, so I'm very humbled to be here. Well, we're honored to have you here. I've got to say, when we said we were doing Black as King, I was like, there's only one man for the job, and that's Corey. I've got to say that I'm, I'm much of the same way. I, I love Beyonce. I'm probably more into her than anyone that's not in the beehive, but I'm also not sure if I would call myself in the beehive just because I don't know if I, I don't know if I've achieved that level of dedication. Did you pay for a title uh, subscription at one point? Okay. I did have title at one point. (laughs) Okay. Yep. But I think, I think it was because Lemonade was just on title when it came out. Right. So Mm -hmm. at that time I had title. Yeah. I was also on title, like my whatever album I put out around there, I put out like on title as well. Right. But I didn't buy Ivy Park <laughs> and I've never gone and seen her on tour. So I don't, but I would love to, I just never have. This is, oh, oh my Lauren God. got this. This is the only thing that I have. I don't actually have, I mean, it is Ivy Park, but it's not like the Icy Park, you know, any of the main drops. I really oh, want. right, right, right. The, I think the Icy Park was my, my most favorite Ivy Park drop collection because it just... The shoes haven't always been my favorite with, with Ivy Park, but I, I did like the mm-hmm. shoes a lot with Icy Park. Especially those like snow boot type joints that came in an ice box for PR. Oh, yeah. Those are so cool. I liked um, like the baby pink ones. Mm-hmm. I liked a lot of the pictures, but I did not. I did not go out seek trying to get them myself. It, it's hard, and then like I tried to. No, I was on the website for the drop, and I had stuff in my cart. I had like a hoodie, and a hat maybe, and it was smooth like maybe two fifty, just like, you know, just I mean a lot, but like not too too much. And when I went to check out, it said like someone has already bought everything in your cart. <laughs> and I said. <laughs> That doesn't make any sense because <laughs> in my cart, I don't, I don't get that. And and then what I realized, and a friend of mine told me, people will like buy bots to, um, uh, like buy tens, hundreds, or whatever, however many of different things, and will buy them out of stock so they can resell it. Hopefully, one day my dreams will come true. Hopefully. Where are you with Beyonce? I mean, are you a member of the Beehive? I am as yet uninitiated in the beehive i have listened to some beyonce in my day i would say that you know i love the music but i would not say that i'm like a fan who follows and like knows what's going on i would say you're pretty into the music though at least i remember yes the 2013 beyonce you were very into i'm very into like certain stuff and i'm like really like the stuff that i'm into i'm very into and this is true of me and just like across most bands i don't go in for like knowing about the people very much and i know Mm -hmm. that's like a lot of the appeal with her in some way is like her own mystique her as a character that she's built over time and like the many different people that she's been 
And like, I think that's hmm. interesting objectively, but I wasn't interested in it as it was happening in my childhood. Maybe it's time to have a Beyonce sans. I think it's probably always time for that. So, yeah. <laughs> Always. Well, did you listen to her as a kid, Emmett? Like, were you in, was Destiny's Child played in your house or was it more recent? No, it would be more recent. It would be like that 2013 album being like the first one that I got into. Oh, her self-titled? Yeah. Yeah. Because I would have been like freshman year of college. Yeah, I think so. Or sometime during our senior year of high school. So right when I was being exposed to music from my peers as opposed to ex- ex- like mostly just from my folks. Yeah, for me it was the one before that it was four. I was sort of the same thing where I, it's not that I heard her and didn't like her. I just like didn't really know her growing up. I knew Single Ladies, obviously, when that came mm-hmm. out. But it was the four album with Love on Top and countdown and like all of those that really got me into her in a big way that's my favorite beyonce album personally i think it's her best maybe not like production wise i know like lemonade is just brilliant but there's just something special about four It, it just because that was the first time she like had broken away from management she really was just like a self starter at that point and took control and you could really hear it in that whole album so good so where did it begin for you, Corey? When did, when did you get into Beyonce? Oh, God. I'd say in the womb. <laughs> <laughs> no, there was a period of time when I was seven, eight. I had like a Walkman and a bunch of CDs. I would listen to Alicia Keys, Mariah Carey, Whitney Houston, Destiny's Child, and a little bit of Beyonce. And I kind of put all of those women on the same pedestal. And there was just a point of, me having to decide, okay, who am I going to stand for the rest of my life? And I think when it really happened for me, it happened multiple times. Obviously, Crazy in Love is just like such an iconic moment with the the, mm-hmm. the white t-shirt and the blue jeans and the red pumps and just everything mm-hmm. about that. But specifically, what is it? I Am Sasha Fierce, the video for Sweet Dreams, when that dropped that was when I sold my soul to Beyonce because that was when people made like the Illuminati video videos and would play, mm. <laughs> they played single ladies backwards and they were like, she's saying worship the devil. And I was like, I don't know. Maybe I do worship the devil at this point. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> because this is some good music. I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but I did believe in it for a second. Like just one at least one second i was like maybe this is real but you know what i can look past it it's like if people can look past scientology i know we talked about that the last uh, time we did yes <laughs> <laughs> if people can look past that maybe we can look past illuminati i don't know okay. but um that's fair yeah Emmett and I, i feel like we've tried to just avoid like getting too much into the uncomfortable parts of the people we talk about because i feel like once you it's a slippery slope once you start going yeah once so wait wait what do you mean do you mean that beyonce is in fact a member of the illuminati what is the rumor can you unpack this for me can you can you explain this because i remember hearing about this and i remember the whole like I remember it somewhat being related to the We Killed Tupac that supposedly buried in the track on Watch the Throne and, like, all of that. But in, what's the story? I low-key feel like the whole Illuminati scandal was a stunt slash also a movement, like, just started by conservative, right-wing, like, really, you know, nasty, kind of racist people because you notice a lot of people yeah. accused of Illuminati are black except for like Lady Gaga but then you know she's a big LGBTQ advocate so mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. there was just a point in specifically the late 2000s early two, 2010s where artists would just like lean into the Illuminati thing I mean we know this and they would like the Rockefeller sign right, and they would right. intentionally mm-hmm. put those images forth because all press you know is good press like it, is, it doesn't matter yeah. but I don't I, there's, there's no Illuminati I mean if there was, I still think that Scientology is worse. I'm not gonna lie. I'm gonna be real yeah. with you. Beyonce is not a no Illuminati, but I, I did watch those videos and I was a little bit concerned <laughs> back then. 
I feel like there are people who, like, we just know as fact are as rich and powerful as the rumor is that the Illuminati is, right? right. You know, and we yeah. don't freak out right. about them. Yeah, speaking of rich and powerful, do you want to talk, and like esoteric stuff? You want to talk about how many different outfits Beyonce had in this, in this video? This is unreal. So this many. Is well, okay. unreal. <laughs> what? First of all, I read sixty-nine unique costumes for Beyonce. Unreal. Nice. So many of my notes are just literally descriptions of what she's wearing. <laughs> Yeah, I said not since the Star Wars prequel trilogy has someone just written a blank check to the costume department and said, go crazy. Do what thou wilt. It's unbelievable. I believe they're all African slash black designers, right? I, I think so from everything I read. And I know it was like, I mean, it's a huge team that made this, but it was like different costume designers and different um like headwear designers and different set designers the part where she's on a horse with horns on her head smoking a pipe that's one of <laughs> that's just like one of the outfits that stood out to me that one uh there's one where she's in an all glittery outfit it's amazing she's on a beach she's in an all glittery outfit mm. yes the one at the funeral where she's got like oh. the diamond face paint as like a mask esque on the lower half of on her, her face. Her face. Yeah. yeah. There's that one guy with the green body paint that's really cool. There's so many. There's so so many. <laughs> There's that song that starts in like the multiple frames and you think at first it's a visual effect and then you realize you know it's actually three D all of these frames that they've built into this person. Insane. So to briefly switch over to the other side of this, Corey, what's your history with The Lion King? I honestly don't remember the first time I saw The Lion King. It kind of feels like a rite of passage, especially as like younger millennials, older Gen Zers. It's kind of just something it, The Lion King was a part of a wave of Disney movies that it was just like, I don't know how, but I just know this movie. I know it so well and everyone around me knows it. And I really felt attached to it when I saw it live. I think I saw it at the Kennedy Center. Oh, wow. And that, I mean, the musical, it's a brilliant show. Oh, God, what's the name of the director? Uh, Julie Taymor. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, her vision, it was it's very memorable. Just a lot of, like, everything from that sunset um, that they make from that, like, paper material. Like, it's just, yeah. But my favorite Lion King movie, though, I will say, is Lion King One and a Half. Nice. speak on it a little bit i don't know about nice. y'all because it's just the the story is great the first one you need it because it sets the basis it sets the, the foundation for everything but like one and a half is just it's so funny <laughs> it's hilarious i want to rewatch it it holds up the, my favorite of all the ones that we watched so far yes i feel like this movie that we just watched is kind of in a different category i don't even feel like it's fair to rank these movies next to each like any of the animated movies and this movie next to each other because this is just a totally different thing this is like an art film i don't know <laughs> this is amazing <laughs> yeah how did you feel about the 2019 remake with beyonce voicing nala so i never finished <laughs> it um okay let me tell you something i <laughs> i had high hopes for it because mm. Donald Glover, Beyonce, like so many good, wonderful people in there. And then I saw it on Disney Plus. I started it. I don't want to be negative um, because it clearly took a lot of work to do what they did. But I just was not really into specifically the animation style. I found it really hard mm. to connect to the characters. It wasn't giving what it was supposed to have gave. But they look nice. They look really realistic. But I have I haven't finished that one. It didn't offer anything new, and that's the the, tr the trouble with some of these remakes. It's like I feel like you need to offer something new when you remake such a classic, staple Disney movie. At like with the new Little Mermaid coming up, you have Halle Bailey. You know, a black girl is playing little is playing Ariel. Like that's that's. Mm -hmm really phenomenal lion king is really hard because it's been done it's honestly been done a lot of different ways with the sequels with the series with 
the musical, with the Lion King experience, with everything. We've seen so many iterations. It was a great challenge for them to remake it. But I do think the best thing to come out of it was Beyonce's The Gift and this passion project, Black is King. I think we feel the same as you about that. No, I think that was, yeah, well said about that. <laughs> and I agree with you. And I remember watching Black is King last summer when it came out and being like, oh, now I kind of get why Beyonce did The Lion King. Like, I felt like it clarified that whole weird situation for me. Mm. Because I also feel like she got a lot of flack for her vocal performance in the film. Oh, which... she did. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not as bad as I feel like people make it out to be. No, it isn't. No. When we, yeah, when we rewatched it, we both thought that it wasn't wasn't as bad as it is often maligned as. But I feel like for all of that that she did, like, this makes sense that she was doing all of this with it, you know? I feel like people were just pissed that she didn't save that movie because Mm. she didn't save that movie. And, like, I think people believed in her power to save that movie and... She didn't quite. And I think people took that out on her unfairly. I don't think it's her fault that that movie doesn't work by any means. But, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, she kind of gets blamed for it because she's the... People always find a way or try to find a way to, like, bring down Beyonce or, like, come for her. And Mm. I sound like I'm in the beehive. But, like, to defend Beyonce... Like, she really objectively does very little wrong. And that's not just trying to defend her or arguing it literally is just fact you can't really find too much artistically creatively personally objectively to come for this woman like she does her job she does what she needs to do and she has the receipts to prove like we'll probably talk about more later like i know there was issues with the streaming of black is king and and getting that to africa and, and things of that nature on the subject oh, of like right. Beyonce criticism, but I don't, and I don't want to get too far ahead of that, but on the subject of Beyonce coming to her defense, I guess. Yeah. Well, I was going to say that it's, I think it's hard to have a better cast than the Lion King 2019 did. And if they couldn't save it, like the problem is not with the actors. Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <case>. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But, but to Corey's point, and I guess I'm also going to sound like I'm in the beehive here, but I feel like the criticism, the one criticism that I was reading people had with this with this movie, with Black is King, is about how it doesn't really feature, uh, or the album specifically doesn't really feature any East African musicians, which is where a lot of the uh, locale of The Lion King is inspired by. It's mostly, I think, uh, South African artists on the soundtrack. And, like, I hear that, and I don't want to minimize that, but I think to Corey's point, like, no one is having that discussion about anyone else because no one else is making art like this that is, like, so primarily featuring (laughs) African music and bringing it to Disney+, Plus, like, the mainstream ubiquity, you know? Mm, So it's like we, like, absolutely people can and should have criticisms of it, but I think it's, frankly, a little nitpicky when we're talking about someone who's doing more than anyone else is. And this project landed her, like, in the Hall of Fame. She literally is the most awarded artist, Grammy-awarded artist, or just, yeah, awarded artist of all time. Like, the proof is in the pudding, y'all. Well, let's dive into it here. To track the timeline on this a little bit, just, Uh I mean, literally to explain what this is that we're talking about today. Uh, So The Lion King, which we talked about last week, came out July 19th, 2019. The same day, Beyonce put out an album which was called The Lion King, The Gift, which was her basically collaborating with a lot of other African artists to make a a soundtrack inspired by the storyline of The Lion King. Very similar to what Kendrick Lamar did with the Black Panther soundtrack he made, which was like a whole original, basically an original Kendrick Lamar album with a bunch of collabs. This was basically an original Beyonce album about the Lion King with a bunch of collabs. And I've got to say that when it came out at the time, I definitely paid less attention to it than I should have because it only came out in this like Disney version that had these little 15 second clips of the movie in between every song. So the album, as it was originally released, had like 30-something tracks. And it was like between every song, you would hear like a little clip of like young Simba 
just like taken from the movie, like a little dialogue segment, and then it would go to the next song. Oh, that's weird. So it wasn't available to let's just like stream or buy somewhere else. I mean, you could stream that version. I could, you could have made like a playlist of just the songs. That was sort of what it is. I don't know. Did you listen to it when it first came out, Corey? I actually did. I would try to shuffle it, and I got so irritated. <laughs> I kept hearing the dialogue from the movie because I just wanted the the music. But I've I've pretty much listened to it since it first dropped, and I've I've been in love with it. I've I knew there was something special about it from that moment, and then all it took was just a year later the visual coming through Blackest King mm-hmm. to just like I think really realize a lot of that sound. There's something different to that music and having an artist like Beyonce uh, bring her vision and bring her connections and just all of that artistry to it, it breathes so much life. I do wonder how the movie's success or, or at least reception, critical reception would have looked like had Beyonce released a little bit more footage or, or something to key us into Black is King a little bit sooner. Not that she had to, not that mm-hmm. I necessarily wanted to, but it's like like that was what drew, drew me to the franchise just the complete mm-hmm. music the the uh the soundtrack alone yeah it is really good and i do think that people were a little dismissive of it when it first came out just because of like the lion king connection and because of like you were saying her album before this lemonade like came out with sort of the visual experience on the same day i think actually if i remember correctly the movie came out first and then at the end of the movie she was like and now the album's out there for you to listen to right so the album came out on july 19th 2019 then june 19th 2020 beyonce puts out the single black parade for juneteenth a month later july 31st 2020 and in the very beginning middle of the pandemic disney plus released black is king and that same day she put out a new version of the gift which didn't have all of those segments and had black parade at the end which is a song that plays over the credits what we are talking about is sort of the visual album created out of that do you want to explain it a little bit more emmett for the people who might not have seen this (laughs) (laughs) this is wild I think it basically follows the story of a young child who is set like Moses into a basket in the river and floated away from his home as it's being taken over by a a storm of dust. And his mom is Beyonce, but also so is the other lady who finds him out of the bulrushes, and also so is his love interest, it seems like, for most of the movie. So it's not it's not very clear, because the real protagonist of this film is Beyonce. <laughs> Whatever, like, story it might be telling, like, she might be, like, kind of weaving in there about Simba whatever symbology there might be in this film it is primarily about uh, about beyonce and it is about her singing a bunch of awesome songs in a bunch of outfits that are truly unbelievable truly must like this is a must see this is one of i would say like the highest rated must see film that that we have as far as just like must be seen to be understood yeah just wandery and not very plot based sometimes we're talking about just like beyonce songs and it feels like a music video and then sometimes it's a little bit more related to the story about the kid growing up into older simba coming home realizing that he is indeed a king yeah there there's that great dance fight sequence which i think is so kick-ass right i think it's like the second to last song Oh, yeah. And it is just, like, so cool. But it's really, like, it's beautiful. It feels like it's a celebration of African diaspora sort of, like, music and clothing styles and just, like, black people. And it's wonderful. Absolutely. Let me break down some of the quick stats here. This was directed by Beyonce, as was her visual album for Lemonade, which is sort of the the precursor to this and her documentary Homecoming. And this film was co-directed by Kwasi Forjor, who started as an intern for Beyonce in 2011 and worked his way up, which I thought was awesome. There are also eight other credited directors, so I'm not going to break them all down, 
but they're all either music video directors or like visual artists, or this is like their first official credit. It was written by Beyonce, Yursa Daily Ward, who is a famous Instagram poet, Whoa. Clover Hope, who is a music journalist, okay, and Andrew Morrow, who was the editor for Homecoming, her documentary that came out the previous year about her Coachella set. Okay. Also, the poetry in the film is written by the British Somali poet Warson Shire. So sort of between all of the musical numbers, there are like these interstitials. And sometimes you hear audio from the film and sometimes it's poetry and sometimes it's snippets of audio from other stuff. Like it is sort of difficult to describe, but he did all of the poetry in it. Um, this thing runs one hour and 25 minutes which is pretty much par for the course with all the other movies in this series, except for the live-action one. It was released July 31st, 2020 on Disney+. Plus. It was critically acclaimed, got an 84 on Metacritic. Cat Brown of The Telegraph writes, And there we were thinking the stage recording of Hamilton was going to be the best thing on Disney Plus this summer. Yes, Hamilton has songs, but does it have motorbikes? Synchronized swimming? Beyonce singing on the moon in diamonds? Naomi Campbell? I haven't even gotten to the poodles. <laughs> oh my god. Brown Skin Girl from uh, the segment from this won Best Music Video at the 2021 Grammys, and the song Black Parade won Best R&B Performance. Wow. But this did lose Best Music Film to Linda Ronstan's The Sound of My Voice. Huh. Well, Corey, black is king. Flop or bop? Bop, bop, bibbity bobbity bobbity bop 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 bop. Yes. I love this film. I love it so much. Oh my god. Emmett, flop or bop? It's a bop. I would like just project this on the wall of a room. 24 mm. 7 like if i lived in a house big enough with like a nice you know just like put that up just constantly on repeat it's it's beautiful to listen to and to look at and i don't really know what the story is or what's going on but it makes me feel really good so yeah <laughs> wade <laughs> flop or bob uh it's a bob for me as well i love it i loved it when it came out i thought it held up just you know just as good as it did a year ago and having seen it before yeah i just think like the the visuals in it are so stunning like it is just staggering to look at but it is also really beautiful to listen to like i love the songs and i love how many sort of of the other musical guests are in it mm, too mm-hmm. performing their parts to the point where the very few who who don't come i think are pretty conspicuous by their absence I also think that it does, like, do a pretty good job of telling a a narrative, at least. I felt that, like, more than I would have necessarily expected from that. Mm -hmm. For me, to speak about, like, the Lion King of it all, I'm interested to hear what you guys think of this. I thought that it was, like, a pretty clear story for, like, the first half. Like, Mm -hmm. pretty clearly following all the beats of the Lion King Mm -hmm. through, like... Um, you know, like the young prince growing up and losing someone and mm-hmm. like the threatening scar type figure and he goes off and we see him live sort of this is sort of recast like Beyonce and Jay Z as Timon and Pumbaa and he's like living in a mansion with them. Yeah, that part I don't I this is what is strange to me about of all of Beyonce's character changes. It's like she plays mm. many different characters within this fable as the the ultimate storyteller. But yeah, she is. I guess I guess they're Timon and Pumbaaing him around. She's also kind of the Mufasa character like she yeah. seems to be like the maternal ancestor and also the narrator. But anyway, I think it's pretty clear up through him sort of growing up and you see him like living in the city and that he's still haunted by 
the vision of what happened and he hasn't gone back to his homeland and stuff. And then for like the last third, I think I just sort of like totally lose the plot. Yeah. Like they just sort of cut to the guy a couple times in like interstitials. But it seems it felt to me at least like very much coherent for the first half and then just a little more all over or not even like all over the place but like it's telling like other stories in the second half yeah i agree it's just like i think beyonce just like gives enough of the lion king a parallel to where the disney franchise can be like this is still the lion king legally but and i feel like maybe i don't know they had to negotiate that somewhat that latter portion definitely like being black and seeing that and just hearing about how it's her gift to to young black men and black women and really she she did it in honor of her son Mm -hmm. sir it was so cool to see how she brought it back to herself brought it back to family and back to like blackness so i wasn't i wasn't mad at all by the deviation i like it offered something different and it kept us kind of guessing Mm. because we didn't we couldn't really expect like, yeah, since we've gotten the Lion King thus far, then I guess we'll get the Lion King hereafter. But, like, no, here we have something a little bit different. We're going to embrace this moment and, and all of these visuals and this music and this culture and this vibe so wholeheartedly and unapologetically. And it's so beautiful. Yeah, I was pretty interested by what you mentioned there that she talked about it being like for her son. And sort of specifically for boys, which was interesting to me, too. I remember, I think when it came out, the Disney Plus description said, like, for young kings watching today. And you see, I mean, I think that, like, the energy of it is mostly feminine. But there also are, like, so many different, like, wide-ranging examples of masculinity in it. Which I really, like, noticed a lot this last time. Yeah. I don't know. What do what do both of you guys think about this being sort of intended for boys specifically, young boys watching it? I think it's really special that you have someone um, making something specifically for young boys, young black boys who, you know, especially around last year, that was, I mean, that was a time we will never forget with George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, and then, and then still to Breonna Taylor. It wasn't just black men, but... It's just in the black community, there is an expectation of black men. There is this because you have, you know, toxic masculinity, but then in in the diaspora, it takes its own form, the masculine, the toxicity. I mean, I myself have dealt with that and having to meet the standards of society, meet the standards of culture, of religion. And it's just my favorite quote from the movie is you're allowed to come home to yourself. And I think that that like Mm. perfectly encapsulates the message for young black men is, you know, no matter what goes on in these streets, no matter what goes on with the police, what goes on on social media, what goes on wherever you are, whether you are, you know, queer, whether you are cisgender, whether you are trans, no matter where you come from, you know, you're allowed to come home to yourself because, it's you know it's about finding your way back it's about seeking the throne that is already yours that's why i love this album so much because the 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 titles of these songs and the messages therein are just it just connects it's brilliant it's so brilliant and so deep those are my little two cents on that no that was beautiful i mean i think you're totally right and i love that i love that it is so much about like starting with something losing it and like being able to find it again eventually Mm. Mm. in a different way than you had it before but also like owning all of it because the key is that like it's it's yours you you know this Mm. this kingdom that's where we really see those parallels with with the lion king is like the royalty and the fall from that i think we lose that because how simba returns home it looks a little bit different to how we ourselves are, are returning home that takes a bit more of like a out of body a spiritual journey a personal emotional journey and it takes a lot more than you know physically returning it's something that we all have to meet um and address if that makes sense uh, especially in a society where 
people are trying to tell us, you know, this is who you're supposed to be, this is who you are, and this is all you'll ever be. It's like, no, you're beautiful. It's interesting that you say that about, like, going internal, going on a mind journey, being able to change within yourself. It's like that being what's important, especially in terms of the old Lion King, it being like a change through force, like a change through physicality and violence. That mm. if Simba had like reckoned with Scar in the same way that like this shows to reckon with people, that Lion King 2, that terrible film, would never have had to have happened. Because, <laughs> because like Simba would have like reconciled himself to whatever it was in Scar that like made them like made them at odds. And he would have been able to live with Scar in a way that Scar was not able to live with him. And like that's mm-hmm. what would have made him like truly a king. And I feel like that's what this movie is getting at too. And so there's like one of the many aspects of kingship which this movie is getting at, especially in that last few minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at one point he says, Taking care of you, that's kingship to me. Mm. I wrote that one down. I also think too, as like this reminded me a lot of Star Wars in some ways. Because it was like you mentioned that earlier too about like Attack of the Clones, like never since never since the prequel trilogy has the costume budgets gone so wild. But it's also like never since George Lucas has somebody been like so interested in like the hero's arc in symbolic forms rather than in like necessarily concrete storytelling terms but it's just like presenting you with raw image and symbol and i Mm. think really really exciting ways visually yeah and also i mean really about like going out and shooting it on location yeah (laughs) yeah is this all shot um yeah pretty much all of it so much of this movie is just about like look at a beautiful place that exists in real life damn and you've got um the other star wars thing is you've got tierra whack with the padme amidala headdress at the very end but yeah this was shot in let me see shot in six months august to december 19 in africa new york the grand canyon and london in the grand canyon yeah some of it was whoa it was uh parts of spirit they filmed on a um I hope I don't get this wrong. Like a Native American sacred land, they they were able to respectfully film on that. And I know there was some controversy over that because people were like, oh, this is, you know, your gift to Africa, Beyonce. Why are you filming on America? Why are you blah, 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 blah. And it's just, again, nitpicky criticism when it's like, obviously, this is a Disney production at the beginning of all of this. So there's nothing but budget, but also you just don't know what the specificities, you know, and the confines and constraints. So I don't know. I didn't have much of a problem with that or any problem with that at all. It was a beautiful video at the end of the day. Stunning. And I think by them filming in so many places, it sort of represents the diaspora because that's part of the movie, what the movie is saying. You know, it's returning home. And so in order to get back home, we have to think about where we're at. And so when we have black people all over this world, when we all started in the motherland, you know, I think it, it's it's all, it's crucial to incorporate aspects of the diaspora. And so I don't know. There's a little bit of symbolism there just in the in the in the filming filmmaking. Yeah, I feel that, too. And it really does feel like such a like variety. Like it feels like so many locales, you know, right. from the big city to like the huge mansions to like the jungle and the forest and the ocean like i love that circular tower that he goes into at the end where he's levitating inside that tower is so cool oh yeah it's like you had an open air courtyard in the middle in a circular mm-hmm. okay so well i guess i'll i'll start here one of the things we've been doing for each of the lion king movies is saying favorite song so i want to hear what were what were some of your or your favorite numbers for each of you? Will you read the, Will you read the song list again? Um, I can. I I just okay. Wait wait no wait. I'll I'll, I'll I can look it up. The thing okay. is that they are in a different order on the video than they are on the album. Also, the actual songs are sort of different. Like these are there's a lot of like remixes and like different versions and like added little interludes and bits in the actual music. 
but I can. You know what? I, I can. I can walk us through here. So we start with Bigger, which is uh-huh. her on the beach. Then we go to Find Your Way Back, which oh, I believe that is sort is of so good. Sort of the space one. Don't Jealous Me, which is the one with the man and the snake and the, the scary oh, song. Wait, I love that one. That one's sick. Similarly, you've got Scar right after it, which I think is like a shorter interlude, which is him taking the throne and like casting the prince out. Then you've got Nile, which is the one with Kendrick Lamar's disembodied voice as uh-huh. Beyonce is sort of by by the water. Mood Forever, which is the Jay-Z and Beyonce one in the big mansion. Uh-huh. Ja Are A. I don't wanna I feel like I've just ja made a mockery of this. But that's the one of him in the city. Okay. With all the, the cars, the tricked out oh, yeah. ride he's in. Already. Then you've got Water, which is the one with Pharrell in front of the big art installation. I oh, love that. <laughs> Brown Skin Girl, which to me is sort of like the centerpiece of the movie, which is with the debutante balls and sort of all of the uh, famous cameos. Keys to the Kingdom, which is the marriage. Other Side, which is like the one where we weirdly go back to the beginning and she's like got another baby she's putting into the water. Oh, yeah. And then we've got My Power, which is like the battle you mentioned earlier, Emmett, and then it ends with Spirit, which is the big closer with the huge chorus and everything. I think it's got to be My Power. The dancing in that is just, it gets me. The dance fighting. I love a good dance fight. I can't (laughs) believe it. It's so good. (laughs) I really love Niall, um, just because Mm. I love the beat drop in that song. And I think the visual is so clean. Yeah, it's just a really clever, cleverly written song. I love my power. Brown Skin Girl is really, really awesome. It's hard mm-hmm. for me to, to pin a favorite. Right now, though, I've just been listening to a lot of Nile. Yeah, Water's also really good. That's a good, like, yeah. get out of bed, just kind of start my day. That A lot of this album just helps me start my day for some reason. Like, I'll just turn on Find Your Way Back as I'm walking to and from work. I don't know, it's so invigorating, energetic. And then other side, like the first time I saw that it made me cry because it was just breathtaking. It was just breathtaking. And I think I kind of saw it as a moment of like rebirth, the beginning, the the new beginning in a way of finding yourself again. But it was just the, the saying goodbye, that like tearful exchange that Beyonce had with the child. It was just like stunning. Um, and mm-hmm. Black Parade is also just like stellar, stellar, stellar song. Yeah, yeah. And it's, just, I mean, like those lyrics too. Oh my God. They are filled with all sorts of nuance and references to just black culture. And it's a really powerful song. And that, that is like mm-hmm. activism in, in, it's like Nina Simone level to me. That, that song is so, 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 so important to last year's events and just to life in general. Wait, what's your favorite song in this? It's tough. I think Brown Skin Girl is, in terms of like the visuals, like the one that gets me the most. I love the music for it too, but I think it's just like so gorgeous. And that's the one that makes me like teary every time I hear it because it just is like so sweet too. And um, all of the different people in it, and that uh, it's got Lupita Nyong'o, who I know we were also talking about last time, but that she pops up in here, pretty like Lupita when the cameras roll in. I love all of that. But I also, I think Spirit is a really good closer. I love like the choral rendition of it that's on here, where she's got this like huge supreme group singing with her. I really like Don't Jealous Me. I think that guy who's like the snake guy on it is very good. Yeah. (laughs) Just like such a a scene stealer. And I like Mood Forever too. I've got to say that I'm a huge Jay-Z fan. I know that that may be controversial, but Jay-Z is one of my top five dead or alive. And he was one of the first rappers that I listened like so much to. And I think his verse here is great. And I think he's so much fun on it. Like, it's so much fun to hear him just clowning around on, like, a Disney Plus streaming movie, you know? When he first shows up in the back of the car, 
I was like, this was real life. This wasn't, this wasn't like, they were like, you get exactly two hours and you're going to use every second of footage. It's such a flex that the first thing he says, like his intro to his verse is where he goes, you hear that? That's the sound of the price going up. Because it is, they're on Disney Plus, like that is what it is. Oh man. Well, does anyone would anyone like to hazard a guess about who the protagonist of this film is? It's okay if we don't. Beyonce. She wants to make a better movie using the Lion King milieu than Disney had just made, and she succeeded in that goal. So I think she was a very successful protagonist. Uh, to touch on the behind the scenes drama briefly, that is sort of how this came to be. Uh-huh. Which is that while she was um, prepping for being in The Lion King 2019, Beyonce learned about Solomon Linda, who was the African artist who write, who wrote the beat for The Lion Sleeps Tonight, which oh. they do in The Lion King. So this guy wrote that song, and then they adapted it into The Lion Sleeps Tonight, and they didn't credit him or give him any compensation at any point ever. Whoa. So when she heard about that, she was like, no, we're going to tell, I am going to tell the story of the Lion King with like real humans and real bodies and not lions and animals. And because of that, his original recording is the only song from the Lion King that is in this movie. None of the other songs are featured and it is his original recording. So he's like sort of finally getting that compensation 20, 30 years later that wow. he should have gotten at the time. That's insane. Um, and uh, I read that Beyonce took her salary, like everything she was paid for the film from Disney and put it like entirely into the budget, into hiring more people and people of like a higher talent level who couldn't have come at the original budget. That's how you do it. Uh, that's right. They shot it from August to December, 2019 then they had a version of it done and then they completely re-edited it after COVID, I guess to just like refocus it or I don't really know, but I guess they're just like had a different take on it after COVID and like entirely did a new edit of the movie. Well, they probably decided the, uh, the third act twist where there was a plague was not <laughs> as uh, family friendly anymore. So they cut it down by it's about 25 minutes. And then it was reported in June 2020 off the strength of this movie right before it came out that Beyonce had signed a $200 million deal with Disney to work on three films for them, including doing like a similar soundtrack album for Black Panther 2 and then two other films that they're working on. So certainly like a sign of good faith in this. Yeah. I also, I don't know how you guys feel about this. I don't want to drag us into random topics this late in the episode. But I do feel like Disney Plus kind of buried this a little bit. Or just like didn't give it the attention that it deserved. 100%. Because <laughs> I feel like this thing was critically acclaimed. Like you read anyone who has seen it talking about it. And I feel like Disney Plus like didn't promote it enough. Didn't like even just literally did not explain what it was. Like, I feel like people didn't know that it was for kids, that it had to do with the Lion King, anything about it. And still, probably to this day, I'm sure lots of people don't, who would be interested in seeing it, you know? Right. Because it's like, the way that they kind of had it up there, it kind of, it blended in with, like, kind of the artsy films that, the weird artsy National Geographic Mm. films that disney plus will have you know like and i don't know i agree with you there wasn't much explanation or clarification i don't think that that was any doing of beyonce or her team because like it's the, it's the disney plus streaming platform like you know yeah. it, it it was it was a lion king like it was the lion king you could have easily just been like come see this new interpretation of a classic tale like as simple as that but y'all they people are like what what, the, what is this and then they turned it on only to see Beyonce like half naked dancing in like green and red and mm-hmm. black paint, which is also very beautiful. But it's like you have to know what you're getting yourself into a little bit, yeah. I guess. 
But like people love The Lion King. I mean, it was the second highest grossing movie of that year before. They love Beyonce. Like I think if Disney Plus has just been like, here's The Lion King from Beyonce. That, yeah. It would have had so much more people checking it out. That's true. But instead, they promoted the mess out of Mulan. Uh, did y'all see that? No. Did you? No. Didn't really care to. The Christina Aguilera version of Reflection, I was like, okay, interesting choice. <laughs> interesting <laughs> choice. Like, they, I feel like there were other options there. Like, I know it's not, you know, them, even though it's not Chinese, like, even like a K-pop star, I don't know, some, like, literally anyone but a, a white woman <laughs> singing <laughs> this iconic song. But that movie was so problematic for so many other reasons, too. Like, Yeah. Well, does anyone have a pick here for their MVP, OTB, I'm going to say, your favorite performance in this movie other than Beyonce from any of the many performers in here? Corey, any thoughts? Wardrobe, costume, hair, makeup as a collective, <laughs> they were the real MVPs because 69 outfits for Beyonce alone, not to mention the background dancers, the singers, just so much iconic. And like Beyonce is known for setting a lot of trends as far as fashion and, and hair are concerned. A lot of like the usage of Bantu knots and braids and like even like the long braid that Beyonce did like a few years ago, mm. like so iconic. It's just to set such a cultural standard in two and a half hour movement piece, art, film, work, body of work. Incredible. So kudos to them. Mm. Emma, MVP? So I every time somebody new came on screen, I was like, oh, they could be the MVP. <laughs> that's That's terribly exciting. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) and but i will have to so i'm just gonna go ahead and give it to the first person that i said this about and it's the old lady wearing white with the white hat who's just sitting down and you just cut to a shot of her just sitting in a chair looking at the camera she's just like she just has something about her where you're like yeah she's she's really cool and uh yeah she's my mvp i have a bunch to I think I would give it to, I mentioned him before, but the uh, the man with the snake. I was going to say Scar. But I'm not sure. I don't. I think he's different than the man who eventually plays, like the Scar uncle type. But the guy who sort of invites young Simba into like oh, the treacherous yeah. world at the start of Don't Jealous yeah, Me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got such a cool swagger. Mm-hmm. And a snake. <laughs> a snake. Dude, there's For a part, real. too, where the guy who plays Scar is like, spitting gold out of his mouth in this really kind of horrifying way mm. oh that my god impact on me i was legitimately terrified of the moment where like the grass monster is crawling onto the hood of the car yes i watched this alone like alone in like the dark of night last night and i was like truly a little frightened by that <laughs> Truly looking like over my shoulder a little bit after that part. Like, is the grass guy behind me? <laughs> looking a little bit over my shoulder now. I'm all <laughs> into the dark library. <laughs> this was a mistake, y'all. <laughs> what else do we have to say about this film? We've got the main event. We've got our quiz. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Our game. So I hope you've brushed up a little bit on your Beyonce knowledge of it. Because today we're going to play... A return of a fan favorite. We're going to play Go On, Name Them. So how this game works is I'm going to say... I'm going to say that there have been a certain number of things. For instance, there are three members of Destiny's Child. That is one such thing I could say. At which point, both of you will have the ability to make a bet for how many of them you can name. And they go back and forth. So, Corey, you'll bet first. You could say, I can name one at which point it'll go to Emmett. He can either uh, raise you because he knows it or because he's bluffing, or he can say, go on, name them, which is what you say whenever you think you're going to get called out for not knowing them. And then the other person has to try and, and name as many as they can. Okay, I think I understand. There are five of these, and when someone says go on, name them, if you get them right, you get a point. If you don't, the other person gets a point. So let's see how we do. 
Number one, to date, Beyonce has released six studio albums as a solo artist. So that is not counting collaborations, soundtracks, EPs, and live albums. How many of the six can you name? Corey, we'll start the bidding with you. I can name all six. Go on, name them. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's hear them. Dangerously in Love, B-Day, I'm Sasha Fierce, for self-titled Beyonce, Lemonade. He's done it. That's one point to Corey. Emmett, are you scared? I, I, I am. I'm not even scared anymore. I'm just certain that you're gonna win. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you might. I think it might be a little more even in some of these others. We'll see. Okay. Number two. To date, Beyonce has starred in ten films, not counting short films or her visual albums. So to be clear, this is not counting Black is King, Homecoming, Lemonade. This is counting the freebie, The Lion King. So films like The Lion King, where she's playing another character, 10 of those. How many of the 10 can you name, Corey? I can name solid five. Emmett? Go on, name them. <laughs> okay. Let's Car- Carmen the Hip Hop Room, Obsessed, yep. Dream Girls, Lion King, Austin Powers... Mm-hmm. That's five that I can name right now. I'm I, the other five. Uh, the other five. Let me see if I can get them. Beverly Hood. Never seen it. The Fighting Temptations. Pink Panther. Did you say the Pink Panther? Mm-mm, I should have. The Pink Panther. Cadillac Records. Damn it. And Epic. Oh, Epic. Oh, yeah. She was in like <laughs> ten minutes of that movie, guys. Do you know that? She, they were like Beyonce's in this movie. She died in the first ten minutes. Spoiler alert! Sorry, guys. <laughs> if you want to see that movie, literally dies. It's so bad. Uh, someone was telling me the other day that Cadillac Records is her best performance. That she's really good in it, but I haven't seen that one. I haven't seen it all the way, but I've seen clips. And I'm like, yeah, no, that she actually act like really acts very well mm. in that in that in that movie. Two points for Corey Emmett. Let's see if you can turn it around here. To date, Disney Plus has released 19 original films, not counting documentaries, short films, or holiday specials, including Black is King. How many of the 19 Disney Plus films can you name? I don't... I get, it's fuzzy because it, there's a difference between the Disney Plus original versus, like, I can't go first. I can't... <laughs> Well, you can start it low. I mean, there's no minimum oh, here, really. Um, I can name one of them. Okay. I think, I think I can name three of them. Okay. Corey? Oh, go on, name them. <laughs> Please. <laughs> oh, that's not what I wanted. Okay. Um, <laughs> let's see. Let's see. Artemis Fowl. That's correct. Remember the name? Remember the name. Uh... Onward? No, I'm sorry. Cruella DeVille? No, you're out. I'm sorry, Emmett. Those are all theatrical movies that came to Disney+. Plus. Damn. Okay. Uh, some other notable ones you could have had. Lady and the Tramp. Oh! Noel. Timmy Failure. Mistakes Were Made. Oh my god. <laughs> Hamilton. Soul and Luca, which just came out. But I thought those were both Pixar. They were made by Pixar, but they didn't come to theaters. They came just to Disney Plus oh, exclusively. Gotcha. And then, yeah, a bunch of these that I only heard about in Bums the Word, including Magic Camp and Godmothered. <laughs> okay, well, we've got three points for Corey here. We'll see how this goes. Emmett, I believe you can still at least finish the game with some dignity intact. I'd like to think that. Perhaps. To date, Beyonce has released... 50 singles as a lead artist over the last 20 years, including two from The Gift. Now, this is as a lead artist, so it's not including stuff that she's the featured guest on. For instance, the Savage remix with Megan Thee Stallion. Uh, Corey, we'll start with you. How many of the 50 do you want to bet? I want to bet that I can name 20 of them. Because I'm crazy. Go on. Go on. <laughs> name them. All right. Let's do this. Okay. Crazy in love. Yep. Drunk in love. 
Yep. Formation. Mm-hmm. Halo. Yeah. Listen. Yep. 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 That's five. Countdown. Mm-hmm. Come on, Corey. Deja vu. No. Yes. Oh, okay. Ooh. Yep. Yep. Okay. It's there. Sweet dreams. Yep. Oh. Mm-mm. I'm not going to say that one. I'm not going to say that one. Love on top. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. We, uh, mm-mm. No, don't say that. <laughs> okay, I'm going to go for it. All right. Freakum dress. Was that a single? It may not be. Oh, no. No, I'm sorry. I busted on 10. Dang. Okay. I'm sorry. That's a point for Emmett. I can't. Uh, I'm stunned. <laughs> I've I've heard of most of those songs. Could not have named them as singles. Um, the two from this album were Spirit and Brown Skin Girl. Um, you also could have had Perfect with Ed Sheeran. Wait, I thought you said without features. That's her as a leading artist. Leading? Ah, okay. Oh, okay. It's, it's not so when she is the featured artist on someone else's song, but there are ones of other people featuring on her song. Oh, so I could have said, okay, okay. Admirable. A good showing. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, and our last one here. <clears throat> to date, Beyonce is tied for second place on the most Grammys won list. She has won 28 Grammy Awards, uh, which is more than any other singer. There are 13 artists on the most Grammys won list including Beyonce. How many of the 13 do you think you could guess, Corey? Um, and I will say, this is this is Grammy, so this is a hint to both of you. This is not just, as I said, she's the highest singer. Number one is not a singer. So there are producers, there are composers, there are bands. It's a wide-ranging list here. I think I'm going to say three. Three? Okay. I think I'm going to say four. I'm going to try to name. Okay. Michael Jackson. No. Are you serious? I'm sorry. Literally. <laughs> oh, my God. Bro, no way. Are you serious? So, wait, does Emmett have to name it or it doesn't matter? No, that's another point for Emmett. Dang, man. Yeah, this is the list. This is so these are all the most Grammys won, but I'm going from the bottom of the list to the most. Um so in order. Stevie Wonder, Kanye West, U2, Vince Gill. Who's Vince Gill? Um his name sounds familiar. Yeah. He's a country singer. Yeah. According to this. Jay-Z, yeah. John Williams, yeah. Vladimir Horowitz, Chick Corea, Pierre Belez, Alison Krauss Whoa. at number four, Quincy Jones, Beyonce at number two, and then the only person higher than her is George Salty, who is a British conductor who conducted the Chicago Symphony Orchestra for wow. decades and decades. So I guess that's how he racked up the most. Well, I guess Beyonce has to dust off her baton. Mm-hmm. So she can beat this guy <laughs> to the ground. <laughs> yeah. He's got three more than her right now. Oh, she'll, I don't know she'll beat thing. him. She'll beat him in no time. Congratulations to Corey, who still pulled it out on the end. And a uh, job well done to both of you here. Thank you. That was that was tough. It got a little touch and go there at the end. But... <laughs> <laughs> Any final thoughts on Black is King? Stream it. If you haven't seen it, stream it. Because mm-hmm. I, I feel like to this day still, like we mentioned before, some people still haven't even seen it. So I'm really glad that we're talking about it. And this is going to be an episode because it's it's such a beautiful, it's such a beautiful body of work. It It's so great. So just go see it if you haven't seen it. Can I make a new final thought? 100%. It is just so cool. Uh, this movie also reminded me a lot of Holy Mountain. Hmm. which is a crazy movie just in its imagery and a lot of the like symbolic stuff going on. So that was cool. Um, hmm. Go watch it. It's there. It's on Disney plus. That, what do you have a Disney plus subscription for? Go watch it. Yeah, I agree. Go watch it. And it's a really like good time too. Yeah. Like it is so fun. It's so well paced. 
there are like a lot of heady themes at play that I'm sure we've talked about, but it is like so much fun just to watch. Yeah, so go check it out. Let me see. Anything else I want to say? Donald Glover should have been there. What was he doing? I mean, really. Oh, yeah. Ooh. They've got this painting of Donald Glover. Like, I understand that Kendrick Lamar is in there either. I know Kendrick Lamar has been doing his absentee dad thing for the last four years. Uh, so that makes a little more sense. But, like, what do we think Donald Glover was doing? I'm sure he could have come out for a day to do his bridge of the song, you know? Something. I also want to say, and I hope this isn't reductive anyway, but this is also definitely the sexiest movie we have ever talked about on this podcast. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> it's like unspeakably sexy. I mean, the only thing that even ranks close to it is the first Lion King. So <laughs> <laughs> when those cats are just on each other, man. Oh, uh, my gosh. Sorry, you, you might have to cut that part, too. After you and Ruben's uh, digressions in the Lion King 2. You were deranged during Lion King 2. Oh, man. Well, Corey, thank you so much for being with us. Thank we're you for having honored me. honored to have you here. Yeah, thank you Pleasure so is mine, man. Anywhere the people can find you online, anything you want to plug, hear more Beyonce thoughts. Uh, yeah, you can... Follow me and all of my Beyonce standum on Instagram at Corey of My Life. That is Corey C O R Y, no E. Don't make life too hard on yourself. <laughs> and it is also that on Twitter, Corey of My Life at Corey of My Life. Twitter, I like Twitter a lot more than Instagram. Uh, I am a little bit more mature on Twitter, uh, so be mindful of that. Mm. You might see some, you know, slightly inappropriate memes there but other than that i'm just chilling i'm I'm vibing i work at a restaurant on a boat if you're ever in the nyc area go to grand banks get some oysters hey that's we have sustainable cool. have sustainable in quotation marks seafood i know that's really controversial that, but that, that it's really good. growing on the bottom of the boat <laughs> just <screaming laughs> we get our scallops fresh from from the Hudson. No, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's crazy. All right, guys. All right. Well, we'll be back on Friday. We're gonna rank these Lion King movies and um, reveal what our next series is. So yeah, hang tight for that. Yeah. Good night. Much yeah. love. Stay Buenas safe. Buenas noches. Love you guys. Bye. Love you. Bye. Cinema Bums is a production of DKG Podcasts. It is created and produced by Emma Temple and me, Wade Lawrence Holloman. I also edit and mix the podcast. Our theme music is by Zane Holloman, who you can find on Bandcamp, and our show art is by Autumn Beckner. Our social media is managed by Laura Bennett. If you like what you hear, please tell all your friends and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, the two best ways to spread the word about our work. You can also follow us on Instagram at cinemabums or email us at cinemabumspod at gmail.com. Don't flake on us. We'll be back next week.